1: Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Thursday, Thursday, Facebook Live, Women's Online Wellness. Very important people, patients, and persons who are struggling to deal with this COVID-19 craziness. Welcome to another edition where we try to provide clarity, try to provide a beacon of light through this fog that we all are living in right now. So that's my purpose, and I promise you... In spite of the title of being sick of all the garbage, I'm going to try to not go off the rails tonight and try not to to, to to really say some of the things I want to say. It's live. I might let some stuff slip, so forgive me if I go off on a crazy tangent. I do have some very valuable information tonight. that's going to be very timely and very topical, but I wanted to just start off with I don't know, expressing my frustration, and maybe, just maybe, it may be similar to your frustration with all the stuff that you're getting inundated with on a daily basis when it comes to COVID. Quite honestly, when it comes to almost anything in today's time, we're so polarized, we're so afraid to look at information because we don't know what the source is, we don't know what the agenda is behind it, And even if we express our own opinion, we're afraid of the kickback because of the the way some people interpret it. Well, I'm sick of it all. I'm sick of it all because we're missing the boat. We're missing the opportunity to really deal with not just COVID, but life in general by not looking at some of the objective truths and not looking at sources that we trust. And I gotta tell you, Here's the dirty little secret. With everybody talking, everybody has an opinion. Opinions are cheap, but everybody's got one. And here's the dirty little secret. Nobody, no one is 100% right. Even the best scientists, even the best modelers, even the best doctors, I won't include politicians because I don't know if any of them are best, But they're included. They all have an opinion, but that's only what it is right now as we're dealing with these issues, specifically as it relates to the novel coronavirus. It is an opinion. Even the best, even the brightest, even the smartest will tell you that their opinion is simply that. It's based on the best information that they can garnish, And then they accumulate that, and that's what science is largely. It's accumulating the best information you can from the most resources, from the best approaches to studying and making certain deductions from that. But here's the problem with the coronavirus. Here's the problem with the data and the opinions that we're dealing with now, regardless of whether they're on the right or the left or whatever, wherever they come from, there's two problems as associates specifically to COVID. Number one is this is a new virus. That's the whole idea behind naming it a novel coronavirus. It's a new virus. Now we have a lot of things that are similar and there's some pros and cons. There's some good and bad. There are two sides of the coins there. Because we have something that we can look at and draw some similarities, draw some inferences is, for example, there's been other coronaviruses, MERS, SARS. So we can draw some inferences from that based on our experiences and the knowledge that we've gained from dealing with those viruses. There's the influenza virus that this has been compared to a lot. But the reality is, this is a different animal. Even though there are similarities, they're different. I mean, let's face it. Uh, there's a lot of similarities between our genetic makeup and a chimpanzee's. In fact, about 99.3% is correct. But although I know some humans out there that I would compare to chimpanzees, most of us are actually quite different. So it's a new animal, it's a new breed. So the, the problem we get into is we fall into what we know, and that's based on historical evidence from these other viruses and that's legitimate, that's okay, that's the way science is done, that's the way we make inferences, we make opinions based on the best data, but you've got to understand that it is the best data, it's not perfect data, it's not exact data, because it's different, this is a different beast. That doesn't mean we can't take knowledge from what's happened with H1N1, what's happened with MERS, what's happened with SARS, what's happened with Ebola, what's happened with the 1918 flu pandemic, but we can't make exact predictions. I mean, science is by its nature an inexact experience because the whole goal of science is to make a discovery and then do everything you can to prove it wrong. And if you can't, then it gets accepted over time as to being something that's valid. So that leads me to the second problem that we have with the coronavirus is we have had a very truncated time frame to deal with this thing. I mean, literally it's been six months, even less in the States, but think about it. Our lives have been turned upside down in a matter of months. And with most medical issues, with most scientific studies, even take an example of vaccines, most vaccines the average vaccine will take anywhere from two to five years to become available. Intrinsic in any work that's done on this virus there is built into it a necessity of time. Whether it's dealing with how long a vaccine will be uh, be effective or how soon you develop antibodies afterwards or what is the nature of the type of spread? Is it asymptomatic? Is it pre symptomatic? Is it no symptomatic? All of that. Sorry, i just, you can tell this is live. I just got a call. I thought I'd turned off my phone. Sorry about that. It's definitely alive. There's no mistaking that. Uh, but my point is that there is a time factor that has to play a role in putting together the proper science to make deductions and to make educated guesses and that's the best we have right now are just educated guesses. Being able to get this vaccine out hopefully at the first of the year or sometime thereafter will be an amazing feat but it's largely due to two things. One is ramping up the manufacturing. Actually these companies are taking a huge risk because they're ramping up their manufacturing ability to make millions upon millions of doses of these vaccines even before they get approved. They could be sitting in a situation two months from now where the vaccine that they're working on that they're spending billions to ramp up the production of gets knocked back by an adverse study result. So that's a distinct possibility but they're willing to do that uh, with the likelihood that they get approved then they've already built up that that reservoir of vaccine to be able to get it out quickly. So there's time that's built into all of this, and come on folks, we've only been dealing with this for six months. Most science involved in getting adequate good studies and data will take months if not years. So this has been greatly accelerated. So that's why much of the information that we're getting now is what should be considered very temporary. We don't have the luxury of looking back over an extended period of time and gathering information to make inferences about, should we close schools? Should we wear masks? Should we get vaccines? How long the vaccines are gonna last? All those things are our best guesses. And anyone who tells you definitively, this is what's gonna happen, is either really dumb or just really confused or trying to sell you something. that's the bottom line. Nobody has a crystal ball. Nobody can break. We've seen so many times in these last few months where people have made statements, and because things change, data changes, those no longer have been valid. And that's why sometimes, I know I do, and I know you do, get the sense of this, uh, people being wishy-washy or being non-committal. Well, the, the reason is the data changes so rapidly, and People who are truly understanding of how the process goes wants to adapt with that. If if this is a place where you take a, draw a line in the sand and you say, I am, masks are not needed. Final, that's it right now, they're not needed. Then you're an idiot. Because tomorrow there's gonna be different data and if you're not willing to keep an open mind and to look at the information as it comes and as it changes, and you're not willing to take that information and adjust your view, then you're so close-minded that you're a danger to other people. And that's just an example. My point is, people aren't being wishy-washy because they're afraid to be committed, committed to a certain viewpoint. It's that the people who have any sense are being open-minded about taking the information as it comes and working that into whatever concept they have to be able to adjust to the changes that happen on a daily basis. It's like that guy who's, who's flying his plane from Augusta to Los Angeles. He's got a flight plan. He knows where he's going. It's on the map. It's told to the people on the ground so they can find him later. But he'll be the first to tell you that on that trip, he's rarely on that flight plan. He's always making little adjustments along the way based on the weather, based on how much gas he has, based on the the, the wind shear, based on the weight of his plane. All these things will change, so he's adapting as he goes, always with the vision of where he wants to go. It's like we have the vision of a vaccine, we have the vision of a cure, we have the vision of treatment, we have the vision of decreased hospitalizations, But we've got to shift our approach along the way. That's the only way to survive this is to be open-minded, to be looking at the data as it arises and not be afraid to take that information and run with it and then change again if we see different information. That's the only way to approach this. So it's very frustrating. I probably spend, I, I have a service that integrates you know a lot of people have these things where you'll put in a topic and it'll pull out all this information from various sources and congregate it in one place where you can just go on well i'm doing that now with covid and several other medical issues and i probably review seven or eight different sites a day and here's the frustration is that you could have world renowned experts people that were infinitely brighter than me infinitely smarter than I could ever be, giving sound medical advice based on the information, and then you go to another site, and you've got just as smart a smarter person saying something almost diametrically opposed. And it comes down to how the data is interpreted. That's what science is all about. So I just, I had to get that off my chest because I know you're frustrated, I'm frustrated, but my point in all this is just to keep an open mind. Don't be so close-minded that you have a certain, a certain viewpoint that is driven not based on current available information but based on some other agenda that is confusing the issue and not letting you make good decisions. Okay, that's number two. My phone went off and my my plants are falling apart back here. So it's definitely alive. I'm, I'm almost afraid is what's going to happen next. So uh, that's interesting. All right, well, let's get to the topic of what I wanted to cover in the next few minutes because I want to give you value. This is all about clarity, all about giving you some value. And this came about because one of my sources was telling me that one of the big issues that people have right now and one of the things being propagated out there is about the MMR vaccine. How many of you raise your hand if you've heard people talk about you should get the MMR vaccine and that will help you prevent coronavirus. Before we have a coronavirus vaccine, if you got the MMR, maybe that will uh, be protective. Well, my sources, better known as my wife, who talks to a heck of a lot more people than I do and is a lot smarter than me and pulls all this stuff in, She says you you need to address that because it's it's on people's minds. So if you haven't heard it, you probably will at some point. MMR, measles, mumps, rubella vaccine is a vaccine that's very commonly available. Most folks have had it at one time or another. A lot of people, and we're really familiar with it because we give it all the time prior to pregnancy because we know that people who get German measles or rubella during pregnancy can have horrible side effects for their kids, so we make sure all our pre-pregnant women are immune and give them the MMR if they need to. Most people have had that. Well, there's been a number of studies that have actually looked at this, and before I get into the details, let me remind you about how the immune system works. I mean, you gotta get excited about this stuff because it's, it's just miraculous when you think about in your little body right now, no matter how much you've abused it, no matter how horrible things are, it's still doing this and it's a miracle. It's just amazing when you look at the immune system. I just want you to get as excited as I am about it because it just reinforces the fact that we are miraculous creatures. It's just incredible. There are two basic systems in the immune systems. One's called the innate immune system and one's called the adaptive immune system. And some of these words are really in your language now because of all the news. You may not have thought about them since high school biology, but the innate immune system, let's think of it this way. It's like, it's the first line. It's very nonspecific, meaning that any bacteria, any virus, any fungi, I mean, if you went out and just ate a handful of dirt and got a bunch of junk in there, the innate immune system is the first thing that's going to happen to protect your body from all the little creepy crawlies that's in that dirt. It's it doesn't care what they are. If they're recognized as bad, these things, these cells that that are from the uh, called macrophages and and some of the lymphocytes, they're going to just be first, they're like the first responders. They're going to be on the scene, could care less what the offending organism is, makes no difference to them. They're going to go in and in them and chew them up. And they work immediately, I mean, literally within seconds of ingesting some foreign critter. Those suckers are going to be out there chewing them up, and they're quick They're nonspecific. They don't care what it is. They're going after that thing. And they're going to try to get rid of it and keep you well. And the fact that it works every single minute of every day is just amazing. And it's a miracle. And it's been working for 95 years if you're 95 years old. It's just amazing. Because we are exposed to so much. And the fact that they can tell what's normal and what's not, what's evil and what's good, the fact that they can make that distinction is just phenomenal. And they're the best at it. So that's the innate system. Then there's the, uh, the uh, adaptive system, and that's the one we hear about now with the antibodies. That's what generally the vaccines work against. That's a very specific system, and it, it's like the backup. It's, it's like once the, uh, once the first responders go in and try to take care of the situation, uh, if they can't and there's still a problem, they call in the SWAT team. They're the specialists. They're the guys who are gonna go after not just the generalized junk. They're going after the, the single bad guy that they've identified that they're going after. So when you hear this talk about antibodies, that's what the, uh, the humoral or the adaptive system is, is say, that, say you get COVID-19 and you remember it's the corona shape that's why like a little crown it has these little spike proteins on them and so the antibodies that your body makes and the whole system how that does is just unbelievable if you really want to get freaked out one night put down the netflix put down the hulu and read an immunology text that will really get you excited no kidding so these antibodies attach they're produced and they attach to the virus and they keep it from propagating, keep it from getting into your system. And what's so incredible is they not only do that when it happens, but then they hang out. They go to the lymph nodes and they they go to the bone marrow and they go to the thymus and they go to the adenoids and they just kinda hang out. It's like they've gone to the beach for the vacation and they're just chilling, just chillaxing. And then six months later, or even six years later, If that same virus comes back, it's like a three alarm fire. Those suckers remember that, they go straight to it and they knock it out and you stay healthy and you get to go to happy hour and you're feeling fine even though you've had all this virus in you. Amazing, amazing stuff. All right, so that's your your basic immune lesson. Well, what the MMR vaccine may do is it may stimulate that very first line, that innate system, that non specific system. It may stimulate that while it's vaccinating against measles, mumps, and rubella, it's stimulating those cells that are responsible for the, those first responders to be a little more aggressive, but not only a little more aggressive, but then to pull back at the appropriate time. Because you remember, with something like COVID, A big part of the problem is the inflammatory response in the lung once you get it in your system. It's that inflammation. It's it's what happens once your body starts fighting it off. And it goes into overdrive, and it just goes crazy, and it's just shooting all this stuff out, trying to kill all this virus. But while it doesn't, it's killing a bunch of the lung cells. And that's why you get so much damage and so much residual damage. Well, apparently what the... MMR vaccine and another one called BCG, which is a vaccine for tuberculosis, and we'll talk about that in a second, it can kind of stimulate that type of response to respond to non-specific, so it's not directed just at COVID, it could be against anything, but then it also has an ability to regulate these things called myeloid suppressor killer cells, which are cells that make the response to the infection way overblown and it modulates that so you don't get so much of that overblown. You heard the term cytokine storm. Well, it kind of limits that. So it, it, it kind of tweaks the system so that you can get a response, but not too big of a response. I mean, it's amazing the way the body balances things out. It's all about that balance. We've talked about that a thousand times in here, that mind, body, spirit, that concept of everything in balance, the body has this amazing ability to perceive this what we call homeostasis and keep everything balanced. So that's where the thought is, now now get this, get this now, This this is the take home message that it is theoretical, they have actually shown it in some animal studies and in some human studies that it helps with this type of response. It is theoretical, quotation marks around theoretical, that it may make a difference in COVID. We don't know. We don't know yet. We can speculate based on, well, here's an example. There's a a uh, battleship, uh, a naval ship, and I think the name of it was, uh, let's see, the USS Roosevelt. Yeah, there were 995 young sailors on this, uh, this ship, and they all tested positive for COVID-19 and only one ended up being hospitalized. And the scientists were racking their brains. Why in the world is this so, uh, not been so problematic with these folks? Even being young people, statistically there's still out of that group should have been more disease prevalence and more severity of disease. Well, one of the things they speculated was that part of Navy protocol for these young sailors was they all had to get the MMR vaccine. So even if you had it young uh, and they got a booster, if you will, there was the theory that that might have been the difference. They try to factor all these things in. Then some people started looking at the effect on different countries where different vaccines were given, and they found that Yeah, there seemed to be a correlation between countries who had a very high vaccination rate for MMR and a decrease in severity. Now, critically important, this is not proof that getting the MMR vaccine will help prevent this disease. That's not what I'm saying. And I think, unfortunately, that's what a lot has been said in the headlines and in Facebook and other places. So that is absolutely not the case. Is there a possibility that it might tamper the inflammatory response to people who get COVID? Yes, there is that theoretical possibility, but there's a difference between association and causation. So you guys are the smartest folks around because we've talked about that before. Something can be associated with something, but it's not causing that something, huge difference. So in this case, probably the best quote I heard from an expert on this, this is a guy named Stanley Perelman, an MD-PhD virologist, and he says, he doesn't, looks like, I hope I reconnected, they just looked like it said I was down for a second, hopefully I'm back. But I was quoting the virologist and he said, he doesn't see any reason to believe that The T cells and the B cells that are formed from the MMR vaccine would offer any particular acute benefit for the coronavirus. The takeaway, the likelihood of getting MMR vaccine and it helping prevent coronavirus infection is probably only within a few days. In other words, if you got the MMR, Yes, for a few days, your innate immune reaction may be stimulated. Thereby, if you happen to come across COVID during that time period, it may help. Should you go out and get the MMR vaccine? Uh, Yeah, if you want to prevent measles, mumps, and rubella. But if you think that's gonna protect you from COVID, uh -uh, ain't gonna happen. I hope that's clear. That's what I wanted to to kind of get across tonight as part of my ranting and raving. You know, while we're at it, you know, we're talking about enhancing the immune system. Let me give you eight ways right now, right now, right now that you can enhance your immune system and not have to go get a vaccine, not have to just take a chance not have to wonder whether you're actually doing yourself any good. All eight of these have been proven time and time and time and time again with good, so I wonder if I can go off camera again, time and time and time again have been proven to be effective at enhancing both your innate and your humoral or your adaptive immune system. Your best vaccine, your best guard against COVID-19, is getting healthy. So, here's eight things you can do right now. Limit alcohol. Sorry, I I hate to start with that one, and you're all probably sitting there with your glass of wine right now watching this. But I didn't say stop alcohol, that's your choice. I'm saying for your immune system, you limit it. And the studies indicate that that means one glass of wine for women a night, or a day, or preferably, I don't know, and two for men. That's just what the science says. Decrease stress. Guys, it seems like every time we're talking in some way, shape, or form about stress on this. But there's no question, and I don't want to spend a lot of time going in. There's so many videos talking about stress. Just know that's a bad guy. Uh, Eat your fruits and veggies. I mean, everything we need to know about nutrition, we learned in kindergarten. Eat your fruits and veggies. Full of immune-enhancing chemicals like polyphenols and antioxidants. I mean, it's just, that, that's just a no-brainer. Vitamin D. That's one thing I've turned around in recent years, and now I'm saying that probably for almost every woman over the age of 50, they probably ought to be supplementing calcium and vitamin D. Get a vitamin D level that can actually help guide treatment. Vitamin D is critical to properly functioning immune system, and we're finding that almost 60% of the population may be low in vitamin D. So take your vitamin D. Eat your, your green leafy vegetables, eat your dairy. It makes good sense. Your beans, your sprouts, your legumes, all oh, high in vitamin D. Get adequate sleep. We've talked a hundred times and it doesn't make it any less true. You've got to get adequate sleep. That affects your immune system, it affects your weight, it affects your mood, it affects the the the, the way your bed feels, and it affects whether your dog barks and I don't know, it affects everything. Wash your hands. I mean come on, if you if you've been living under a rock and don't know the importance in this day and time of washing hands, then you you're just you're so far gone, I don't think I can help you. Exercise, I mean, come on, guys, I'm the exercise evangelist. Whoop. Mm-hmm. Yep, so I knew something else was going to happen. I almost broke my little thing here. Exercise is the fountain of youth, and the reason it's the fountain of youth is because it enhances your immune system, it decreases the incidence of senile dementia, it improves uh, your cardiovascular fitness, it reduces your likelihood of developing. Uh, cancer, diabetes, stroke, hypertension, and we're not talking about training for a marathon, for goodness sakes. We're talking about moving 30 minutes a day. That's it. If you can't do that, I can find something that you can do. I'm not talking about you know, giving a, a, an hour of your life away to wind sprints where you go and just throw up. I'm talking about just moving, just being active. And the last one I'm gonna, I'm gonna say But I shouldn't even bother saying it, because in this day and time, how many, how many will guess what I'm about to say? Don't smoke. Don't smoke anything. I'm talking about vaping, uh, vapping, vopping, whatever. I mean, if you're smoking banana peels, stop it, because it's not good for you. There's not a single scenario of anything you can smoke that gets into your your lungs. Were not meant to collect that garbage. So I don't care what it is, and I don't care how it's ingested, it ain't good for you. All right, let me tie this up. I've been going longer, that always happens. I go longer than I intend. I'm sorry, thank you so much for sticking with me. I love all you guys. This has been such a fun time having you folks be a part of this, and I'm hoping I'm giving you value, and thank you for sticking with me here. Uh, I did want to close on a positive note. This was so, this, 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 this falls under the category as I'm reading through the news of what now? Are you kidding me? The other day, I saw an article that said a squirrel, not this squirrel, but a squirrel, this is actually a reindeer, but I didn't have a squirrel, so this is the closest I could come to a squirrel. A squirrel tested positive for bubonic plague in Colorado. God's truth, from my mouth to your ears. And I I made sure that wasn't fake news, but it actually was true. Now don't freak out, don't think, oh my gosh, now we're gonna have the plague, we're gonna have the black death. We're gonna be back in the 14th century when 25 million people died. And by the way, it started in China too, just saying. But anyway, the the squirrel test, now what I didn't get from the article is why they tested the squirrel for the plague. I don't know, maybe my vet friends can tell me, maybe that's standard, if they get a squirrel that's actually acting kind of squirrely, maybe they just automatically test them for the plague, I don't know. But anyway, this squirrel tested positive for the plague But don't freak out. There were seven deaths around the world last year from the plague, from the Black Death. It's transmitted by fleas. They bite, you know, it used to bite little rodents and used to, we had rodents running around all the place and the fleas would get off and spread it. We have ways of treating it now called antibiotics. We didn't have that in the 14th century and that makes a pretty big difference. But I just thought, my gosh, if anybody's really thinking this is the apocalypse, Now they read about squirrels with bubonic plague. That's liable to put them over the edge. Well, I just wanted to say that so you didn't worry. I know a lot of you have been losing sleep over rabid, crazed squirrels attacking you and giving you the Black Death. No need to worry. I got the antibiotic. If you're starting to have symptoms of plague, call me. I'll get you plugged into the right folks. So until next time, before anything else here breaks, Say it with me. Make healthy choices. Keep, keep putting your comments in there. I promise. I can't. I can't read them while we're we're doing this because it's one. It's really distracting to you. I don't want to be just sitting there reading these things. But I promise you, I read every single comment, questions, concerns, criticisms. Those I throw out. But but anything that's helpful, uh, anything that that you want to comment, I read every single one of them. Thank you so much. It means. It gives me encouragement. It gives me the the where for all to keep coming out here and doing this time and time again. So thank you so much for being around. Thank you for your comments. I love all you guys. Let's keep the faith. We're getting there. We're making progress. Yeah, we've had an increased number of cases here locally. Uh, Just be smart about it. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Physical distance. Until next time, I'm counting on you to make healthy choices. We'll see you then.
0: Thank you for listening to the Women's Online Wellness Podcast. To join the conversation, access show notes, and discover bonus content, join our private Facebook community by sending a request to Women's Online Wellness. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to hear more, just head over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a review. For questions about the podcast or to get more information, email Dr. Eker at reaker at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening, and until next time, choose to be healthy.